Chapter Twenty of the Legends and Myths of Hawaii. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Legends and Myths of Hawaii by King David Kalakua. Chapter Twenty. The Adventures of Iwikauikaua. A story of royal knight errantry in the 16th century. Part 1. One of the most interesting characters distinctly observed among the misty forms and dimly outlined events of the remaining Hawaiian traditions of the 16th century is Iwikauikaua in him the knight errantry of the period found a distinguished exponent and representative and his deeds add a bold tint to the glow of romance and chivalry lighting up the life and reign of the great lono and lend a luster to the names and events with which they are associated a royal lineage but without estates or following beyond his personal attendance he sought his fortune with spear and battle axe and in the end became the husband of a queen and one of the ancestors of a long line of kings as he was the nephew of queen kaliliani whose reign in hawaii including that of her husband lono embraced it may be presumed the period between the years a d fifteen sixty five and fifteen ninety five and was a stout friend and supporter of the ruling family a proper understanding of the rank position and aspirations of ikikauikawa necessitates a brief reference to the strange political events which surrounded his youth and conspired to shape his romantic career when kiliokoala the son of umi suddenly died in about a d fifteen thirty five after a reign of perhaps not more than ten years he left as his heir a young son named kukalani whose right to the throne was unquestioned but as he had not been formally designated by his father as his successor, Kiwi Nui, the younger brother of the dead king, assumed the scepter and maintained his claim to it by meeting in battle and slaying the six principal chiefs of the island who rebelled against the usurpation. Ku Kalani seemed to have possessed but little force or spirit and was content during his life with such maintenance as his uncle was willing to provide in due time he married and became the father of kaikilani and makakua lee the former became the wife of kanaloa kuana the eldest son of kiwiui and subsequently the wife of his brother lono as related in the legend of lono and kaikilani as if desirous of atoning for the injustice done to his nephew kukailani on his deathbed kiwinui named as his successor kaikilani daughter of the disposed prince and wife of kanaloa kuana his own son why kiwanui restored the scepter to his brother's family through kaikilani instead of her brother makakuali finds ready explanation in the fact that kaikilani was the wife of his eldest son through which union both families would thereafter share in the sovereignty makakalui whose claims to the moiship were thus overlooked or disregarded by kiawinui was the father of our hero iwi kakukua 
but if wrong was done in the matter if was never openly resented by either father or son an iwi kuikua always remained the steadfast friend of his royal aunt kalikilani the position of kukalani on the death of her father was such as could have been patiently borne only by one entirely destitute of ambition custom would have accorded him ample estates and a following consistent with his rank but his crafty uncle did not deem it prudent to tempt him to rebellion by according him even the powers of a district chief it was safer for him to remain at court living upon the bounty and under the watchful eye of kiawanui he was doubtless a high officer of the royal household retaining the taboos and meles of his family and receiving the respect due to his rank but no lands were set apart for him and he had no retainers beyond his personal attendants but kukalani seemed to be content with his situation and so utterly indifferent to the rights of his family that it does not appear that he ever demanded a more befitting recognition of the claims of the children born to him hence like their father makakuli and kailani were compelled to live upon the bounty of the king until the latter was chosen to the succession and this was also the inheritance of iwikalukawa the son of makulali he was a landless chief of royal blood and circumstances indicate that he was quite a youth when kiwinui died and kakilani assumed the sceptre he grew to manhood around the court of his royal aunt and was among the many who rejoiced when lono became her husband and with her the joint ruler of hawaii in person he was handsome and imposing and his accomplishments befitted his rank though kaikilani the moiship had been restored to kialiokula branch of the royal family but the previous usurpation had left him without estates and less near than was his due to the throne and he chafed under his hard fortune and resolved to retrieve it not by rebellion or trespass upon the rights of others but through the channels of bold and legitimate endeavor when a boy a kalua told him that he would die either a king or the husband of a queen and he never forgot the prophecy in fact it seems to have taken possession of him and to have become the guiding star of his early life iwikuaikawa makes his first appearance as a striking and consequential figure of hawaiian tradition in the midst of the revolt of kanaloa kua and other chiefs of hawaii against lono the revolt was organized during the absence of lono and kaikulani on a friendly visit to the other islands of the group and embraced nearly every prominent chief in the kingdom they had resolved to kill lono should he return to the island and the conspiracy seemed to be as formidable as time and determination could make it with a single exception all the brothers of lono were arrayed against him and his cause considered almost hopeless the rebellion had its origin avowedly in a report that lono had a fit of jealousy killed kaikilani on the island of molokai but other motives must have existed for the return of kaikilani with her husband to hawaii did not put an end to the uprising but rather 
stimulated the conspirators in their resolution to wrest the sovereignty of the island from lono at all hazards the only brother of lono who refused to join the conspiracy was pu kia he was the sturdy and warlike son of kiwinui by a mother whose name is not mentioned by tradition and was endowed with lands in the district of kau removing in early manhood to his estates in that district he seldom visited the court and took no part in its bickerings as his mother was doubtless of a humble family he was not considered the equal rank of the other sons of kiwanui and therefore preferred to reside where he would not be continually reminded of his inferiority when the revolt against lono was organized he was invited by kanaloa kuana to give it his support but no promises of lands were made to him as to other distinguished chiefs nor was he deemed to be of sufficient consequence to entitle him to a voice in the councils of the rebels this slight of pupakia led to the defeat and ruin of the conspirators the chief of whom they thought so little had developed into a leader of influence and ability in his distant home and it was around him that was gathered the nucleus of the force which in the end gave victory to lono when kakilani returned alone from molokai and found the kingdom on the verge of revolution she secretly consulted with pupakia as almost the only chief of consequence to be relied upon and when she next returned with lono pupakia was at the head of a force large enough to overawe the rebels of kau but too small to venture beyond that district without support the main rebel army was concentrated in the district of kohala which lono avoided on his return from oahu landing at kilakilakua on the coast of kona it was early in the morning when the canoes of lono bearing a small party of attendants were drawn up on the beach no one was there to oppose him but the rebels were in possession of all the machinery of the government as well as five of the six divisions of the island and the outlook would have been gloomy to any one less resolute and daring than lono he had less than a hundred followers and taking from his canoe the hokio or calabash containing the bones of the six rebellious district chiefs slain by his father placed it within a sanctuary of mats on the beach and beside it raised the royal standard and kahilis this done he summoned the people to arms started a courier to pupakia and dispatched lunapalis to the neighboring chiefs commanding them to march to his assistance at once but the people were timid the revolt was not popular but the cause of lono seemed to be hopeless and the masses hesitated the hesitation was brief however late in the afternoon a force of five or six hundred warriors was observed approaching from the northward lono hastily prepared for the best defense possible and for retreat to his canoe should he be unable to hold his ground nearer and nearer came the threatening column it was finally halted within two hundred paces of lono's position where from the front rank emerged a tall young chief in feather cape and helmet at the end of his spear was displayed a large tea leaf as a token of peace accompanied by two aides bearing weapons similarly bedecked he boldly strode past the lines of lono and asked for the king he was conducted to his presence 
and observing kaikilani beside her husband was about to kneel when lono stepped forward and grasped him by the hand exclaiming welcome iwi kaoikawa for i know you come as a friend yes i come as a friend replied the chief and have with me a few brave warriors whose services i now tender but are you not afraid to be the friend of lono at such a time as this inquired the king glancing admirably at the bold front of the young chief the whole island seems to be in arms against me lono knew he was exaggerating the danger but desired to learn the worst no not the whole island promptly replied the chief pupuakea will soon join with three thousand spears or more and it will not be long that lono will lack warriors you are right returned the king hopefully we will find spears and axes enough in the end to clear a way to kohala kaikilani joined lono in thanking her nephew for his timely assistance and iwikawakawa retired to find quarters for his followers and arouse others to the defense of the king the appearance of the young chief with his few hundred of warriors was indeed most opportune it inspired the people with confidence in the success of lono and they began to rally to his support in large numbers and observing that the tide was turning in his favor the neighboring chiefs came to his assistance with their followers thus swelling his force within three days as to many thousands of warriors of all arms hastily organizing his little army lono boldly pushed on toward kohala steadily recruiting his ranks as he moved and at puakanahulu was joined by pupakea with nearly three thousand additional spears from kau thus enabled to operate on the offensive he attacked and defeated the rebel army at wailea and again at paukau or at some point not far north of that place after the second engagement the rebels retreated northward and receiving reinforcements from kohala made another stand at pupa where they were again defeated but through some mishap iwikikaukawa was taken prisoner they then fell back to pukohola near which place a large hue was maintained at that time there kanaloa kakuhiu one of the brothers of lono resolved to sacrifice the distinguished prisoner iwikikawakawa received the announcement stolically he was conducted to the altar within the hiu the assistants were in readiness to take him beyond the walls for execution and the priests were in attendance to offer the sacrifice in due form to kanaloa kakalihu's god of war ascending the steps of the altar the young chief turned to the high priest and said i am ready but it is not the will of the gods that i should be offered what know you of the will of the gods answered the priest sternly and what know you returned the chief since you have not inquired such questioning was not common at the altar and for a moment the priest was disconcerted finally he said you say it is not the will of the gods make it so appear and your life shall be spared but if you fail your right eye shall see the left in my hand and you will be slain with torture so let it be exclaimed the chief and lifting his face upward he addressed an audible prayer to q uli and kama as he proceeded with the solemn invocation not an unfavorable 
omen appeared the winds died away and the birds in the neighboring trees remained silent concluding the prayer he folded his arms and stepped down from the altar by an unseen hand the cords that bound his limbs had been cut and he approached the high priest and bowed before him this manifestation of the will of the gods could not be mistaken and iwikauikaua was conducted to a hut within the hue where he was advised to remain until he could leave the place in safety no hostile hand could be laid upon him within the walls of the temple there he was under the protection of the high priest and beyond the reach of the highest temporal authority but iwikauikaua did not long require the protection of the hiu at daylight the next morning lono attacked the rebels at pukohola and after an obstinate battle defeated them taking prisoner his brother kanaola kailuhu whom he promptly ordered to be sacrificed at the hiu as he was brought to the altar for that purpose his last moments were embittered by the farewell which iwikauikaua waved to him with simulated grief as he left the enclosure to join the victorious army although lono had directed the sacrifice of his brother in retaliation for the supposed death of iwikauikaua he did not countermand the order as he might have done in time when he found the latter had miraculously escaped several other battles were fought in all of which iwikiwakawa took a distinguished part and the island returned to its allegiance to lono and kaikilani the services of Paukawi were rewarded with such additional lands of deceased rebel chiefs as he chose to accept and iwikiwakawa was offered possessions either in kona or hamakua or a military charge in the royal household but in the end decided to accept neither they presented to him no opportunity for such advancement as the gods had promised and which now since their manifestation in his favor at pukokola seemed to be almost assured to him he had fixed his eye upon his pretty cousin kiliokalani the daughter of kaikilani she stood close to the throne and evinced a decided partiality for the dashing young chief the gossip of the court was that the princess loved iwikikawakawa and would be more than content to become his wife but royal marriages in all ages and in all clime have been less a suggestion of hearts than of state considerations and so it was in this instance unknown to all but himself it was the fair face of the princess that had prompted him to espouse the cause of lono when it seemed to be almost hopeless and his services certainly entitled him to almost any reward but kika kika lani kane the son of kaikilani by her first husband kanaloa kua had been named as successor to the moiship and kiali o kalani was selected to become his wife such marriages of close kinship were not uncommon among the chiefly families of ancient hawaii and the children born to them were accorded the very highest rank this arrangement for the succession left iwikuakawa little hope for on hawaii and he determined to seek his fortune among the other islands of the group tempting inducements were held out to him to remain but he declined them all 
to the princess alone he whispered that her betrothal to kika kika lani came had rendered his departure advisable and she grieved that circumstances had decreed their separation ambition doubtless first attracted him to his fair cousin but her nature was gentle and loving and he finally regarded her with a sincere and romantic attachment which she seemed to have fully reciprocated part two in a large double canoe painted red and at its masthead flying the pennon of an aha ali iwikikawikawa with a score or more of attendants set sail from kohala in quest of adventure passing maui he spent some time in visiting the small island of lanai where he was entertained in a princely manner by the leading chiefs proceeding thence to molokai he remained a week or more in the neighborhood of kalupapa and then sailed for oahu he landed at waikiki on that island and was well received by kaihikapu one of the three principal chiefs of oahu his father was the noted kahuhihua who had entertained lono during his voluntary exile and who at his death a short time before had divided the island among his three oldest sons leaving the dignity of moi to kane kapu harmony existed among the brothers and all of them followed the example of their father in maintaining attractive petticoats attractive petty courts and imposing establishments the moi retained possession of the royal mansion at kailua which was two hundred and forty feet in length and ninety in breadth and adorned with all the taste and skill of the period kaihikapu had a princely mansion at iwa but his court was at waikiki at the time of the arrival of iwikauakaua the young chief whose rank was at once recognized was provided with quarters for himself and attendants near the court and soon became a favorite with the nobility the part he had taken in the battles of lono together with his miraculous escape at the temple of pukohola became the talk of the court and he was treated as a hero in the pleasure of the courts of oahu iwikiakawa spent a number of years on the island and finally became the husband of kawakahi daughter of kaihikapu it was not a love match at least so far as iwikawakawa was concerned for after his marriage he squandered the most of his time for some years in roaming from district to district and giving little heed to the future at length he began to crave a more active life and was about to seek it on some other island when the noted war of kawelos of Kauai gave employment to his spear kawileo had been driven from Kauai by his cousin and finding refuge in oahu had been given lands in the waini mountains by kahikapu instead of settling there in peace he began to construct canoes and prepare for return to Kauai with a force sufficient to maintain himself on that island kaikikapu was finally induced to assist him and so substantially that he invaded Kauai, disposed and killed his cousin and assumed the moiship iwikawakawa took part in the expedition but became disgusted with the jealousies of the Kauai chiefs and returned to oahu at the close of the war without attempting to avail himself of the opportunities afforded by the rebellion 
his marriage with kawakahi promised him no advancement his hair began to be tinged with gray and the future presented to him no sign of the fulfillment of the prophecy of his youth he consulted the koalas but they gave him no satisfaction one of them told him however that his fortunes lay to the windward and he provisioned a double canoe and with a component crew and few retainers set sail in that direction without taking leave of any one he stopped for a few days on molokai and a koala there advised him to go to maui he accordingly set sail for that island where resided two of his sisters whom he had not seen for many years one of them kapakini was the wife of Kauhiakama, the moi of maui and the other puipoki of kaau a prominent chief of kapau he landed at lahaina and made himself known to kapakini their greeting was affectionate and they had much to relate of their past lives she was the only wife of kawakiakama and he was astounded to hear that the aged moi had started two days before with a hostile army for oahu the object of the invasion was not clear but iwi kaukaua felt satisfied that it would end disastrously and impatiently awaited the result the only son of kapuukini had reached his manhood and iwi kawa advised his sister to prepare for his installation as a moi expressing the opinion that kawa would never return his surmises proved to be correct within ten days a mere handful of the force with which the moi had embarked for oahu returned bringing news of the defeat and death of kawihakama the moi had landed at waikiki where he was met and defeated by the united chiefs of oahu he was slain during the battle and his body was taken to the heiau of apukiahu where it was treated with unusual indignity so unusual in fact that kahikili the moi of maui many generations after remembered the act and retaliated in kind upon the chiefs captured by him in his conquest of oahu kauhiakama had always been a rash and visionary leader and his tragical end did not surprise iwiki kawakawa he was on his report that his warlike father kamalalawalu had invaded hawaii and met defeat and death at the hands of lono and with equal thoughtlessness he had thrown a small invading force into the most thickly populated district of oahu and led it to slaughter but whatever may have been the weakness of kauhiakama a lack of courage was certainly not one of them and the news of his death together with that of the indignity visited upon his remains created a wild excitement among the chiefs of maui his son was installed as moi without opposition and a general demand for revenge went up from the whole island large quotas of warriors were offered from every district and the young moi was implored to baptize the beginning of his reign with the best blood of oahu but iwi kawakawa advised the excited chiefs to act with discretion no one more than himself felt like avenging the death of kauhiakama who was the husband of his sister but he said to them the chiefs of oahu are united 
and a war upon one of them means a conflict with the whole island their spears are as long and as many as ours and their knives are as sharp therefore let not the chiefs of maui be hasty many of the chiefs agreed with iwikaukaua that an invasion of oahu in revenge for the death of their moi would not be advisable and the newly anointed king was of the same opinion but others especially those who had lost friends or relatives in the late expedition clamored for war and not a few of them intimated that the advice of iwikaukaua was inspired either by friendship for the ohauans or personal cowardice these insinuations reached the ear of iwikaukaua and the manner in which he repelled them was bold and effective three hundred chiefs of the higher grades had gathered to take part in the installation of the new moi and such of them as were entitled to a voice in the national council were assembled to discuss the project of war and such other matters as they might be requested to consider as a near relative of the royal family iwikaukaua had been invited to participate in the deliberations but he had modestly refrained from urging his opinions and had thus far spoken only when directly appealed to several remarks of a sneering character had been dropped within his hearing and finally a chief from wailuku glancing insultingly towards him declared that the chiefs of maui were not afraid to use their spears iwikaukaua could no longer bear these taunts in silence with a dark scowl upon his handsome face he rose to his feet and impetuously replied nor am i afraid to use mine either in defense of the moi of maui or in challenge to any chief here who presumes to doubt my courage i scorn to defend myself with my words without these walls with spear and battle axe i am prepared to answer one and all several chiefs sprang to their feet as if to accept the bold challenge and confusion for a time prevailed but order was restored when mahia the venerable chief of kahakuloa rose and commanding silence said chiefs of maui hear my words and be calm we have invited iwikaukaua to advise with us and by insulting him we degrade ourselves he is high in rank and distinguished for his courage he was the friend of the great lono of hawaii and a leader in his battles he is the brother of kapapukini and our respect is his due some of you have spoken words which seem to hold his valor lightly and he has answered as i would have answered had the complaint been mine by inviting you to test the courage you dealt with spear and battle axe no other answer could have been made by a brave man and we should respect the nobility that prompted it we should say to iwikaukaua whose body is scarred with the teeth of many battles we have spoken hastily let us now be friends the effects of the eloquent words of the old warrior mag magical those who had offended made prompt retraction and looks and expressions of courtesy and kindness came to iwikaukaua from all parts of the council by reputation he was known to many of the older chiefs and when they recounted to the younger his chivalrous services in the wars of hawaii he was overwhelmed with manifestations of respect and kindly feeling the demand for an invasion of oahu 
with a large force steadily abated with discussion and a better understanding of the danger and uncertainty of the project and was entirely abandoned with the sudden appearance of a fleet of hostile canoes off the coast of honolua it was a strong predatory expedition from hawaii several villages had been plundered on the southern coast and wailuku was now threatened lono the warlike king of hawaii had been dead for some years and under the reign of Kiakialani Kani, several of the more powerful of the district chiefs had assumed an aptitude of comparative independence. The most noted of these were the I family of Hilo and the Mai chiefs of Kohala. Each could muster some thousands of warriors and occasional plundering or retaliatory expeditions were undertaken to the other islands without the knowledge or countenance of the sovereign authority the fleet discovered off the coast of honolua and reported by runners to the moi was from kohala and under the command of one of the mahi chiefs in person as the young moi was unused to war iwi kawakawa offered his services and with fifty chiefs and two thousand warriors crossed the mountains and drove the plunderers from the coast as it was surmised that other expeditions of similar or more aggressive character might follow the chiefs found employment for some time in repairing canoes establishing signals and placing their coast settlements in better conditions of defense returning to lahaina iwi kawikawa learned from a hilo chief on a visit to relatives in kawalua that kikikaki that kiakialani kane king of hawaii had recently died and that kialiokalani his wife could no longer survive a cancerous ailment of the stomach with which she was afflicted the mention of the name of that princess brought back a flood of tender and romantic memories and iwi kawakawa resolved to revisit his native island he was begged by the young boy to remain as his mahana and chief counsellor a position to which his rank entitled him but he seemed to hear the voice of the dying princess calling to him from hawaii and with becoming state set sail at once for hilo where the royal court had been temporarily established it was past midnight of the second day of his departure from lahaina when iwi kawakawa reached hilo he landed quietly making himself known to no one he found the place still in mourning for the deceased moi and learned that kiakamahana the elder of the two daughters and only children of kilia kahalani had been formally installed as moi or queen the day before with the royal mother as chief adviser or premier early next morning iwi kawakawa clad in a feather cape and other insignia of rank and accompanied by a number of attendants proceeded to the royal mansion being a chief of unquestioned rank he was admitted to the pahale but on applying for an audience with the queen or her first counsellor he was told that the former was still in mourning and could not be seen and the latter was too ill to receive visitors but a proffer was made to carry any message he desired to either then take to kili o kalani the words that her cousin iwi kawakawa is at her door said the chief at the mention of his name the kahu in attendance a venerable chief regarded the visitor for a moment with amazement 
he had fought by his side in the wars of lono and in his face recognized the dashing young chief who a generation before had been saved by the gods from sacrifice at pukohola iwikikawakawa indeed exclaimed the kahu with emotion i know you well years ago our spears drank blood together from the shores of kona to the highlands of polu iwikikawakawa was pleased at their recognition and after exchanging a few pleasant words with the old kahu the latter conveyed his brief message to kealiokalani she was in her own apartment at the time reclining on a soft couch of kappa and surrounded by a group of silent and sad-eyed attendants near her sat kia kamahana the fair young boy who was doing all that affection could suggest to soothe and strengthen her suffering mother prayers had been said offerings to the gods had been made and renowned kahanas had resorted to the most potent herbs charms and incantations known to them in behalf of the royal sufferer but nothing could stay the dreadful malady that was eating away her life and all hope of her recovery had been abandoned the cancerous gnawing was declared by the priests to be the work of an evil spirit which prayer and sacrifice could not dislodge the kahu delivered the message of iwikikawakawa with some hesitation for the condition of the patient had become more critical since the death of her husband but when she heard the name of the visitor and learned that he was without her eyes assumed something of the brightness of her girlhood and she ordered him to be admitted at once as iwikawakawa entered he was silently conducted to the couch of kili o kalani for a moment he gazed at her wan face for a moment she gazed at the gray hairs which the years had brought to him since he said farewell to her in kohala he knelt beside the couch he took her hand and held it to his heart and the silence that followed best interpreted the thoughts of both rising and learning to his embarrassment that the young woman who he had scarcely noticed was kia kamahana daughter of kia o kalani and queen of hawaii iwikikawakawa knelt respectively before her and gallantly kissed the hand with which she gave him welcome a low order was given to an attendant by the mother and in a moment she was alone with the queen and iwikawakawa casting her eyes around and observing no others present she beckoned them closer and in broken sentences said the black kappa will soon cover me listen iwikawakawa early in life it was in our hearts to be the husband and wife of each other it was the fault of neither that we were denied that hope it was not my fault that you left hawaii it was not your fault that i grieved when you went to other lands but you have returned at last the gods have directed you back to hawaii they will give to me in death what they refused to my youth in kikakamanahana i will be your wife he paused for a moment her listeners bending over her in silence and then continued take him as your husband kiakahamanahana he is the gift of your mother he is brave and noble and you will need his counsel when i am gone overcome by these words of affection the chief knelt 
outside the couch and the eyes of kiakamahana were filled with tears do you promise inquired the mother i promise replied the queen giving her hand to the kneeling chief i promise repeated iwikauakaua as he clasped and kissed the proffered pledge i am content returning the sufferer as a smile of happiness lighted up her face the attendants were recalled wondering what had occurred and iwikauakaua almost bewildered took his leave tradition plainly recites the brief remainder of the career of this distinguished chief keoliwikanawi died a few days after the strange betrothal just noted and iwikauakaua became the husband of queen kamehamehana thus romantically fulfilling the aspiration and prophecy of his youth their daughter kiakialani succeeded her mother as queen of hawaii and one of her husbands was the son of iwakawakawa by the wife left by him in oahu with this adventurous and erratic chief originated it is claimed the custom of burning kukui torches by daylight on state occasions especially in connection with the of persons of royal lineage and it was within the present generation that the exclusive right to the ceremonial was contested by the two royal families claiming the prerogative through descent from iwi kawakawa certain customs like chants and meles are matters of inheritance and remain exclusively in the families with which they originate end of chapter twenty recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c